1: Do you need to resolve conflict and persuade at work? If you answered yes to both of those questions, visit our website to learn more about our negotiation workshops. We've traveled the country working with professionals just like you, and we'd love to have the opportunity to work with you too. Check out the link in the description to learn more. Mariana, thanks for joining us today. You're welcome, great to be here, Kwame. Yeah, it's great to have you. So how would you get us started by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do?
2: Sure, absolutely. So I'm Mariana Swallow. I live in Chicago, where my business is also located, and I am a professional executive public speaking coach. And I also teach presentation skills workshops, in addition to being a professor of business and professional communications at Loyola University in Chicago.
1: Fantastic and full disclosure, audience. I uh, I wanted to have her on the show just so I could get a free consultation here. <laughs> so um, everybody, be ready for a masterclass. I'm I'm excited for this, and so. The three things that we're gonna focus on today. First, we're gonna talk about the importance of having the right mindset before these conversations. Next, we're gonna talk about the approach to the conversations and the biggest mistakes people often make. And then we are going to end the conversation talking about the ask, which is often the most important part and the part where people make mistakes. So let's start off with the mindset.
2: Absolutely, so Kwame, when people want to make a persuasive speech or you know something like a sales call, the common the common knowledge around it or the common thought is i have to convince them and when you set yourself up thinking that i need to convince something when you're going into a persuasive speaking situation what you're really doing there is kind of setting up an adversarial You know us versus them me versus them and here's what i ask people to think about when they approach it like oh i have to convince them of fill in the blank or i'm going to convince this person to fill in the blank if you step back and just think about yourself in an everyday context think about how difficult it is for you yourself to change your mind about something how easy is it kwame
1: it's not easy
2: right right Even when we want to right? like the New Year's resolutions i'm going to go to the gym every day and then, of course, you know we don't it's difficult to make a shift. So when you think about how difficult it is to change your own mind about something, then I want you to take that and kind of apply it to a communication situation, how easy do you think it's going to be to convince your audience of something.
1: Yeah, it's going to be harder, especially when they're seeing it more as a combative type of situation.
2: Right, right. And I run into this with some of my students and some of my clients where they will come to me for help prepping a speech and they'll say, okay, I want to convince my audience to Blank and I say hang on let's nuance that remember we talked about this you can't convince someone so let's find another way to say that, and then the next thing, no matter who it is, they always say Okay, how can I get them to and then they (laughs) fill in the blank so here is the mindset here's what we need to do when we think about being in a persuasive situation. First of all, I find it really helpful to kind of drop the expectation of convince them to because, again, it's difficult to convince our own selves to do things differently. But also, if you think about how things change, whether it's our minds, a system, a change you want to make at school, change is not instantaneous. Change happens on a continuum, right? It, it's 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 slow. It, it, there's a process involved. I mean, good example for everything that's going on in the world right now. What's the cliche the, the wheels of justice turn slowly. So rather than going in thinking, I'm going to make this person go from A to Z, shift your mindset and give yourself different words that will help you frame your approach. And I recommend things like, can you help them nuance a viewpoint? Can you help them think differently? Can you help them understand Fill in the blank. So when you give yourself a different directive, rather than I'm going to convince my audience to, or I'm going to get them to, you know, it, it takes down the intensity a little bit. You use the perfect word combative. So it takes down the intensity a bit, but also it gives you more realistic expectations, takes your demeanor down into a, a more conversational place right and when you i will argue that when you approach a speaking situation thinking i want my audience to understand blank or understand the benefits of blank or understand why this is blank or you know what i'm going to share some information and i want to help nuance their viewpoint or nuance their opinion you're coming from a better place you're coming from a stronger place where you will be more likely to be open and connect with your audience and they will be more open to listening to you as well
1: there's so much i enjoy about this and i like the fact that first of all we're setting more practical goals more realistic yeah i think that's that's really important um because then it'll help you to feel more encouraged because you set a smaller goal that is actually achievable pretty soon in a conversation now you're more encouraged to stay in it and stay positive so i think that's a really great point and it affects the way that other people look at you as well because you're not saying hey you're wrong let me educate you because i am intelligent you are not which creates that combative type of thing no it's this is more of a collaborative approach where we're saying oh maybe you could approach it a little bit differently i think that's really powerful
2: absolutely and i love that word Kwame. the collaborative approach and when you come from the perspective of i'm on the same side as my audience you know even if you don't necessarily agree with them because i know you know we just had an election political scenarios it's very difficult but even something as simple as uh, i mentioned i listened to jason on your podcast you know a sales situation of course you want to convince them to buy but you want to be on the same page with them and approach the talk as if well this is a shared experience we're exchanging information here versus that combative like you said i love the way you put it kwame you know you're wrong i'm right and you're going to listen to me and i'm going to convince you and that that just isn't going to fly most of the time
1: exactly i one of the things that i liked i think it was the book crucial conversations yes i I love that book oh it's a fantastic book and one of the things they talked about was deepening the collective pool of knowledge and during the process of a conversation what you can do is go in there with the intent to share and at the same time learn from the other person and we're learning together and even again like if in a sales situation you can still frame it collaboratively because i need to learn more about your business in order to to see if well, this is a fit at all uh, and, and, and you need to learn about me right and so I, I really like this approach and when we think about this i think people are going to listen and they're going to say yes I agree that makes sense but it is easy in, in when it comes to understanding it but sometimes difficult in application and so when it comes to adopting this mindset what are the biggest barriers that people face
2: so well like i said that it is kind of the the common what i call the party line of what a persuasive speech is you know i have to convince them so so having that preconceived notion is one of the barriers but Another one, and if you don't mind, I'd like to talk about the second point I wanted to make, is that even if we shift the mindset like, okay, I'm going to nuance or I'm going to share information, the next pitfall that happens is even when speakers take the time and prepare, they come out, if they haven't planned their approach, what happens is they will come out on one of two ends of another spectrum, and here's what I've seen. They will either, even though they've said, okay, fine, Mariana, I won't go, I'm going to convince them, I'll I'll take a different mindset. They still come out too stubborn, is what I call it. Like, even though they say, okay, fine, Mariana, I'm not going to pretend I'm convincing anyone or I'm going to approach it the way you said, they will still plan the speech or the presentation to be fact-based this is right this other thing is awful i'm going to show you why it's awful so they kind of keep that combative mindset even though they might say oh yes i'm approaching this like an exchange of information or i want to nuance their opinion or inform them of the issues going on in our city or our district they still then plan it with that kind of us versus them language you know, what's happening in my district is bad. Your politician is wrong. Mine's right. Now, here's all the reasons you need to vote for him. So they, they keep that combative mindset. And again, like we just said, after talking about, you know, the mindset you have, a, an approach like that is not going to work, even if you've convinced yourself, convinced yourself, that you have changed your approach because you're still keeping that kind of combative, I'm right, you're wrong. So, so that's what I call the too harsh. The opposite end of the spectrum that clients come to me with is they have a goal, whether it's to increase attendance to a triennial gathering that also serves as a fundraiser or to approach a conference of social workers and find ten social workers who will donate their time to your not for profit. These are actual cases I've worked with. And when you know one end of the spectrum, we have too harsh. On the other end, when we have people being too soft or too kind i guess is what i want to say what i see in this too soft approach is that the speaker will plan to say all the benefits and all the good stuff and why they're not for profit or why their organization is so great and then that's where they leave it they think if i work with this audience you know i'm I'm at a conference of social workers of course they'll want to donate time then the speaker goes to talk to the social workers and he thinks that by saying how great his organization is that 10 social workers will sign up at the end of the talk to volunteer when he didn't even say anything about volunteering Um, i've also seen this with a not-for-profit i worked with that was trying to increase their attendance at the triennial gathering and build up support for the fundraiser and they even kind of joked with me that their template was, we get in front of people, we say, hi, everyone, we think you're great. Our organization is great. Let me remind you, you're great, bye. <laughs> and, and it's the same expectation, like the person who spoke to the social workers, they're just saying how great everything is. And they hope that the audience will then magically fall in love with their organization and sign up or give money or whatever. So what do you think are the problems with each of those scenarios i presented
1: well with the first one it's a turnoff from the beginning you're you're preaching to the choir the people who like it will like it more the people who don't like it will <laughs> will uh, will be just averse to whatever it is that you're saying very very quickly absolutely so then on the other side people are going to say hey that felt good great and that's it <laughs>
2: right it's oh you you have a nice organization and you guys do good work and you like me thanks i'm gonna go get my free coffee or punch or whatever they have at the conference yeah so this is again with these two ends of the spectrum what people are missing is the ask but also stipulating why are you there and what do you want Mm -hmm. so when you're in a situation like that let's use these examples speaking to a not-for-profit increasing support for the triennial gathering increasing support for fundraising and asking for money to add to the funds you need to be really clear on why are you there and i know in, in that example that sounds very obvious but in my other example the gentleman who by the way huge published author now has had his own show on msnbc yes i was his coach <laughs> uh he he actually wasn't clear on what he wanted even though he prepared his speech knowing that he wanted to get some social workers to volunteer with his organization he because he structured that speech around look at how great my not-for-profit is here's the work we've done here's the results he forgot that the real reason he was there was yes to raise visibility for his organization but also he need to have the ask in there And because he lost sight of we need volunteers, it actually weakened his speech. Now, I'm happy to say that before he got to this conference, I did get to coach him and he did get that ask in there and it made the speech so much stronger because it was clearer and it was more focused because Kwame, what do you think is the issue if let's say I came to talk to you about my business and I just give you this grocery list of why Marianaswallow.com is such a great business. What what would you
0: think? Hi, I'm Catherine Kanapke, and I'm the Chief Operating Officer here at the American Negotiation Institute. Did you know our company offers completely customizable negotiation workshops? The negotiation and conflict resolution skills that your team will learn from these workshops are beneficial across all professions, but they're especially useful in procurement, purchasing, sales, sourcing, and contract management. Our calendar is filling up quickly, and we even have some workshops scheduled for next year. If you think you might want one, I'd suggest reaching out soon so you don't miss out. Check out the link in the description to learn more. Also, be sure to check out our YouTube, LinkedIn, and Instagram accounts to see our daily negotiation content. Thanks for listening. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.
1: I would think that sounds great, but I wouldn't know what to do next.
0: Exactly. And
2: audiences, you made the perfect point. Audiences need to know what to do next. And I noticed this not just with my clients, but in all the work I do, something happens to us as we get older and we go through school and we get our jobs We think that we we're not supposed to be too obvious that, you know, I'm speaking to a room full of adults. Of course, they're going to know I want them to volunteer. Of course, they're going to know they need to open their checkbooks, but they don't. Um, Audiences really need you to tell them what they're supposed to do or what you want them to do or what options are available to them and something people aside from advertisers and marketers forget we need to hear something three times before we actually buy into it or buy and also adults have a very short attention span even more so these days because of guess what the internet twitter phones yada yada so if you think you're being too obvious don't worry about it it's i'd rather someone takes that chance and i say to myself yeah yeah i i, I got that versus huh that was a nice speech what am i here for you know or okay i guess i'm going to go get my coffee now
1: absolutely and the thing that comes to mind mariana is that there's, there's a reason why people don't do this. There's a reason. And a lot of times it's gonna be something that is psychological or emotional that gets in the way. And especially if somebody is on the too kind or too soft type of spectrum, what they're doing is they wanna keep it very positive, but they don't want to risk rejection. Because if they make that clear request, then they are setting themselves up for the potential of rejection. So they choose failure on their own terms by not making the request instead of putting themselves in a position where they at least have a chance to succeed. And again, that's the reason why we named it the other podcast, Ask With Confidence, right? Our podcast is all about that because if you don't have that, you're not going to get much. So let's transition to the ask. So again, we're we're talking about it. Now, what are the things that we need to keep in mind when it comes to making these requests? Great question.
2: So here's my advice for the ask in a nutshell, short, simple, to the point. I do wanna blow that out a bit because again, we have a couple ends of the spectrum what i like to say about the ask is again first of all when you're preparing your speech or your sales call or whatever it is you want to be clear very clear with yourself on what it is you're asking so for instance for the one not-for-profit i worked with who had a triennial gathering there were two parts it was please attend the triennial gathering and please support our fundraising either by donating or by asking someone else you know from your church To support us and so they had to be really clear on that because again they had spent years kind of bumbling around in this well maybe if we tell everyone how great we are they'll open their checkbooks and it wasn't happening and i'm happy to say that after i did a workshop with them so much better and and they hit their numbers that they wanted to so so that's the first thing is being clear but when you're being persuasive the other thing to know and, and a lot of people, if you're not taught this, we don't know this, I know I didn't know this early in my career. What you wanna do is limit the alternatives you give people. So when you're creating an ask, and I think uh, the one example I just gave is a great example because it was, can you attend the gathering? No, okay, well then can you give 20 bucks to our fundraiser, whatever it is. Give your audience an alternative or two, but limit them. Because Kwame, let's say I'm trying to sell you my services and you and I have this great call. You like me. I like you. You like what I'm doing. But then I say something like, well, you can have a six week coaching or you can have a three week coaching. If six isn't enough, you can have nine or we can get five of your colleagues together and we can do a workshop. If a workshop isn't good, get three colleagues. We'll do a small group coaching, which has different pricing. Or if you want one presentation work done, you and I can meet for 90 minutes. What do you do with that?
1: you get confused and leave
2: (laughs) right right and i think people often forget or underestimate how easy it is for your listeners to get overwhelmed that's why the one not-for-profit i think they had a great ask once they formulated it it was can you attend the gathering and or can you donate 20 bucks or whatever it was and those were the choices so for example If you look at political campaigns or any kind of political measure, even when there's like a measure coming up on a ballot locally, whenever the people who are working on that whether it's the politicians or this their staff the way they message is pretty clear if they call someone and say can we have your vote oh i already voted okay great can you then donate or make calls and then th- that's it they don't ask you to do 25 things for the candidate there's one or two it might be something as simple as well will you please join our email mailing list they always limit it Because if you dump a bunch of stuff on your listener, no matter how much they like you, you're going to overwhelm them. So keeping the ask clear and simple, giving alternatives, but limiting them. I I think two, I think even three might be pushing it. Two is my favorite number with that. Five, way too many
1: exactly it reminds me of the the studies on the paradox of choice where they they talked about the uh, the study was with jellies right and so they said okay here are the jellies um you have one choice and then it showed a certain success rate when it came to the amount of sales that they got and then they said here here are seven choices and people were like oh wow seven choices, fantastic and then at the end of the day There were significantly fewer sales and so a lot of times i think it's born of good intention and strategically it makes logical sense but we have to remember we're not logical beings in that strict economic type of way that's why we have behavioral economics which is the blend of psychology and economics and so a lot of times we will respond in surprising ways and so simply reducing the the choices that people have, one of the easiest ways to make it more likely for them to actually make a choice.
2: Absolutely. It's the way you phrase that, and it's right. I, I like being able to limit the choices. It reminds me, you have kids, Kwame, so you know how this goes. You don't ask your kid, what do you want to do today? It's, do you want to go to the park or do you want to fly a kite? That's it. You give them a choice. Two choices. Let's go. <laughs> right.
1: Well, I would, in that situation, we have to at least put naps somewhere in there. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, that's a given. That's a yeah, given. <laughs> exactly. In, and again, I, I, you know, I'm biased here, uh, but my undergrad degree is in psychology. So I, I love nerding out on these topics. And when it comes to negotiation, conflict resolution, communication, the more you can understand psychology, the more you're going to understand yourself and other people. And you can create strategies and tactics on the fly based on what you're seeing. So strongly recommend that. And with the time we have left, I want to give you an opportunity to give the audience a bit of a challenge because we've talked about a lot of great things here. If people want to be more persuasive in their communication, what is one thing that you would suggest that they do to start?
2: Ooh, there's so many that come to mind because uh, I thought of two right away. I'll start with one. And if you want to hear one more, I'll give it to you my first challenge would be look at something you have coming up down the road whether it's next week next month or within the next three months within the next 90 days something work-wise that either you have been afraid to ask for or avoiding try that give yourself a tiny challenge my other suggestion would be if you have something coming up at work might be outside of work like maybe you're involved with your children's school or a place of worship but any point you want to get across, whether you have a presentation coming up or you'll be part of a meeting or a discussion soon, I want you to challenge yourself to see if maybe there's something you can ask for that might seem a little difficult right now. And this could be something work-related or maybe if it's something you do in your free time, like the PTA, or sometimes they're called the PTO, or something at your place of worship, If you're on a committee and you really don't have time for it anymore, talk to someone about joining or helping you. If you need help around the house and you haven't asked, asked. Because this is another thing, Kwame, that uh, most people don't see unless, again, we're taught this. Even when you ask for something simple, you're being persuasive. So we're persuasive all the time. We just don't know it.
1: Exactly. I love it. This is great. And so before you go, let the listeners know again how they can get in touch with you and, and the work that you're doing.
2: Absolutely. So my website is Marianaswallow.com. That's M-A-R-I-A-N-N-A. Swallow, like the bird, S-W-A-L-L-O-W.com. And you can also find me on LinkedIn.
1: Fantastic. Thank you so much. We really Thank you, Kwame. It. This was a joy.